Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. But Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I want to teach a message today titled, The Way Forward. Will you say that with me? The Way Forward. Before I do, let me pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his lordship and his presence here. I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for a church empowered by your spirit. Lord, to love and to know you. I thank you for a church that is growing under your hand and your favor. That you would give us both favor with man and with you, Lord. As we stay in a posture of humility to receive your wisdom. God bless people today. Speak to people today. May Christ be manifested and revealed today. Holy Spirit, we just publicly acknowledge you are our Lord and our leader. And we are dependent and desperate for you. And unashamed of our need of you being our sufficiency. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we all have an it. We have an it. In fact, all of us currently are dealing with an it. For, your, for you, your it might be a circumstance. For you, your it might be a relationship in your life. For you, your it might be an issue at work. An it that is seemingly a pressing issue or need in your life. So I want us to take a deep breath. And in this moment, relax and say, you know what? Let's deal with our it today by asking God the way forward to have wisdom regarding it. Notice our text in Proverbs 2 and verse 6. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The first thing we see here is, number one, there is wisdom that comes from the Lord. There's wisdom that comes from the Lord. Secondly, there is a spirit of wisdom. Meaning, there is, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, an aspect of embracing the work of God's Spirit regarding wisdom. There's a spirit of wisdom. Thirdly, there is a way toward wisdom. That you actually today, when you leave, can be in a different posture than you came in. Meaning, you can be moving towards the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom. Now notice our scripture says that from his mouth come knowledge. From the mouth of the Lord comes knowledge and then understanding. See, this scripture that Solomon wrote is showing us the way forward. It's showing us the way of wisdom. That this is how the Lord primarily gives wisdom. How does He do it? By first, from His mouth, giving us knowledge. 
Then, after we have received knowledge from his mouth, he gives us understanding regarding the knowledge we have. It's through knowledge and understanding from his mouth that then he moves us in the way of wisdom. Now there of course is a word of wisdom given through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul mentions this in his letter to Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 when he talks about the manifestations of the Spirit. He says to one there is given the word of wisdom. But listen to me. You are heading down the wrong road if in every area of your life you are sitting back doing nothing but waiting for such a manifestation to be given in every decision you face. If in every circumstance and in every decision you're just sitting back passively waiting for a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit called a word of wisdom, you're heading down the wrong road. Why? Because listen, there is not just wisdom and there's not just the wisdom of God and there's not just a manifestation of a word of wisdom but there's also a way you can start walking toward wisdom for your life. For your life. There's a way you can start walking towards wisdom regarding whatever your current it is. So let's deal with our it by first looking at the issue of knowledge. When you think about the issue of knowledge, the first question when we begin to think about the issue of knowledge is this. What do the scriptures say about it? Whatever your it is. If it's financially related, if it's relationally related, if it's emotionally related, circumstantial. What do, does the scripture say about it? Say about it. This is how we can start moving forward and the way forward towards wisdom in our area of need. We can first start seeing what has God already recorded regarding the issue we're dealing with. In fact, the psalmist in Psalms 119 and 105, the largest psalm, said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In fact, the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.9 says, So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Maybe your it feels like a dark place. A place where you lack wisdom. Well, when we lack wisdom, we normally lack knowledge sometimes. Meaning the way to move forward in having wisdom regarding your area is you have to first get the knowledge regarding what the Scriptures say about it. Say about the issue. So Scriptures provide a light. A light that can be shown upon our circumstance, upon our situation, upon our issue. In fact, 2 Timothy 3, when the Apostle Paul writes to the minister Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
It's interesting because when you have a culture that seeks to mock as every culture does where there's those that don't have understanding regarding Scripture and begin to doubt or mock the inerrancy of Scripture, they often get confused because we read about horrible things in Scripture. And just because we read about horrible things in Scripture does not mean that God authored those horrible things. What He inspired was the recording of those horrible things to teach us a lesson, to instruct us in the way of righteousness. Not everything in Scripture was breathed or made to happen by God. It's everything in Scripture, the, rec- the recording of it was breathed by God. And notice what Paul says about this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may become complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now listen, the Apostle Paul here, this list can be summed up as simply this. These are the results of the light of Scripture being shown upon an issue. Now notice what the results are not. It does not say that through Scripture comes transformation. It does not say through Scripture comes healing. It does not say through Scripture comes deliverance. Because listen, Scripture shines a light. Just like if you go to the doctor because you think you have an issue and they put you in an x-ray machine or an MRI, that shines a light upon the issue, but the issue's not fixed yet. Scripture just shines a light upon our dark place. Scripture just exposes knowledge regarding our it. So when we think about what is God's wisdom for what I'm facing and the circumstance of what I'm going through, we start with asking, what what does the Scripture say about it? Meaning, a good place to start on the way forward and the way of wisdom is the Bible says. So you're dealing with fear. And you get to the place of having the knowledge of 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, well, if you have fear, God's not giving you that spirit of fear because God gives a spirit of power over the enemy, of love towards people, and of sound mind in our decision making. The Bible says is a good place to start. But listen, it's not a sufficient place to end. Because when you look at those lists regarding what Scripture is given for our life, it just shines light. It shines light where there needs to be correction. It shines light and instructs us. It shines light on right teaching and reproof. But it just shines light. So the Bible says it's a good place to start, but listen, it's a dark place to stay. See, listen, if we turn out all the lights and I get out my iPhone and I put on the flashlight app, that flashlight is shining light in a dark place. But listen, we're all still in a dark place. It's just shining light in our dark place. We've not moved forward. It's just shown light. Scripture shines light. 
So the Bible says is a good place to start because it shines light on our issue. But listen, it is a horrible and a dark place to stay. We cannot just stay in a place where all we know is the Bible says. Why? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees knew what the Bible says. They had light, but they still stayed in a dark place. They had light, but their heart was still in a dark place. They had light, but they still were children of darkness, Jesus said. Why? Because they didn't understand what the Scriptures actually meant. It's one say the Bible says, it's another thing to understand what the Bible means. It's one thing to know what Scripture and the Bible says. It's another thing to know the spirit behind why it says that. So they didn't understand it, therefore they didn't apply it correctly, and therefore they were never in the way of wisdom, and they were not in the way of moving forward. In fact, Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he writes to the Corinth, he says, hey, knowledge puffs up. Meaning, knowledge alone puffs up. Being in a place where all you can do is say, the Bible says, puffs up. So now some of you are thinking, well, forget knowledge then. I'm done with knowledge. Well, no, that's what the fool does. The fool takes it to the other extreme and says, well, if knowledge puffs up, then I don't want knowledge. No, no, no. That's the way of the simpleton, the foolish of Proverbs. We have to learn to build or have our life built with balance. Meaning, listen, it's not wise to be against knowledge. It's not wise to be against, the Bible says, But it's unwise just to only have knowledge. That's the balance. In fact, Paul was balanced. He said 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge alone puffs up. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 6, he says, when I come to minister, one of the methods that my ministry takes is I minister by knowledge. So Paul wasn't against knowledge. He just was saying you have to have more than knowledge. You have to have more than just the Bible says. See, listen... We can have light and still not have the life. We can have light and still not have the life. Meaning, we can know what scriptures testifies about without having experienced the substance of what it means. I'll say it again. We can know what scripture testifies without having experienced the substance of what it means. So the Bible says, yes. But what does it mean? What's the spirit behind what it says? Listen, this is understanding. Think about what Albert Einstein said. He said, any fool can know. The point is to understand. Any fool can know the Bible says, if they can read, But the point is to understand. And the way forward towards wisdom starts with the knowledge, but then it leads next to letter B on your card, understanding. So question one, what do the scriptures say about it? When we begin to talk about the theme of understanding, it leads us to question two, what do the scriptures mean by it? Let me give you an example. The Apostle John writes one of his epistles, 1 John, and in 1 John 5.20 he says, 
and we know. Everybody say no. We know what script we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Guess who he's talking about there? God the Father. And we are in him who is true, God the Father, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is an example. Why, how is this an example? It's an example that knowledge before understanding. How many people do you know that have the knowledge that Jesus Christ has come on the earth? In fact, anybody who is historically has integrity cannot deny the fact that Jesus of Nazareth existed. His life is more documented, I mean, more than most anyone else's life. So, majority of all people know that Jesus Christ came. But that's knowledge. But that knowledge hasn't affected their life. Hasn't affected their walk. Hasn't affected their choices. Why? Because we have to move beyond the knowledge that Jesus Christ came to having the understanding of why He came, who He is, and having the understanding that brings us back into a relationship with our Creator who sent Jesus to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us. It's knowledge before understanding. But it's also then understanding before wisdom. See, in Proverbs 10 and 13... Solomon says, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. Meaning you can't find wisdom on our lips until we have understanding in our heart. But a rod is for the back of him who's devoid of understanding. So notice this scripture, Proverbs 10, 13, is an example of understanding first before wisdom can be found on the lips. Meaning, one can have knowledge, but not have wisdom upon the lips. We have to move from knowledge to understanding what the knowledge we have means, the spirit behind that knowledge, before wisdom can ever be found upon our lips. I think about in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra. When they're rebuilding and being a part of God's work for that generation and they're rebuilding the city and the walls and Ezra, the priest in Nehemiah 8.2, he brings the law before the assembly of men and women. It would be like today. In fact, the Bible says Ezra made a platform. That's why if you don't know, in churches there's a platform. We get it and the foundation from it for passages like this. Ezra built a platform so that all of the assembly of men and women, there's no other category either, men and women, would be able to hear the scriptures. Hear the scriptures. But watch this. It says, before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding. What's that mean? It means that children in this assembly weren't present. Because how many understand that children can hear something but not understand it? Meaning children can have knowledge, the Bible says, but not understand what is meant 
regarding what the Bible says. Children can have knowledge of what I said today and not have understanding of what I said today or the spirit behind it. So knowledge, yeah, that's where you start. But those that assembled were those who could not just hear but had the ability to understand what they hear. So maybe some of you have uh, growing uh, young men and young women or people... Children that are in elementary and they're transitioning into middle or in middle school. And you think, when should your child transition to the gathering? Well, here you know. When they can understand the knowledge that's being said. When they can understand the knowledge of what's being said. I think about Solomon. You remember the story of Solomon? God comes to him and says, whatever you ask, I'll give you. Boy, that would be deadly for some of us, wouldn't it? Anything you ask, I'll give you. But Solomon in 1 Kings 3, 9, he says, Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Wow. Did you know there where he says, Give to your servant an understanding heart, understanding means a hearing heart. This is why faith doesn't just come to those who hear the word of God with the natural ears. That's why Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meaning, yes, you have to hear and get the knowledge of what God says about your it, but you have to then hear with understanding of what he means by what he said. And the spirit behind what he said. Solomon asked for an understanding, a heart that's not just able to hear God's word and hear from God, but to understand God's word. To know what it means and why it means that. And to know the spirit behind that and to know how to rightly apply it. And notice what it leads to. When you have understanding, it leads to the ability to discern Knowledge alone is not enough to discern right and wrong in situations you face. You need to have understanding to be able to discern what is good or evil, right and wrong for you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And this is important because there are some areas for followers of Jesus Christ that people refer to as the gray areas. Now that is not necessarily a biblical phrase, gray areas. The biblical phrase is the law of liberty. There are some areas for followers of Jesus Christ that fall under the law of liberty or the new covenant, meaning that it can be liberating for me to do it, but it can be bondage for you to do it. Or it could be bondage for you to do it, and it could be liberating for me to do it. And this area are things outside of God's standard for all believers. For all believers. Paul said, these things are permissible, but I will not become bondage to anything. To anything. So, understanding leads to the ability to discern. Also, when we think about understanding, and we think about the knowledge that we now have, we need understanding regarding the time we're in. We need understanding regarding the time and season we're in. So, it's not enough to just have knowledge... In order to have understanding regarding how to use the knowledge you have of what God's Word says, you got to understand the time and season you're in, we're in, we are in. In fact, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, God 
inspires the recording of this story and he highlights a positive attributing characteristic of the sons of Issachar. He says the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. Now listen, all of Israel had the knowledge of God's Old Testament or the law. But he highlights that the sons of Issachar had more than just the knowledge of God's law. They had understanding regarding the times. And why was this important? Because then it said to know what Israel ought to do. Wait a minute. I thought Israel should already know what they should ought to do. They have the law of Moses. Oh. Because they also need to understand the context, the circumstances, the climates of the relationships in order to have understanding of how the law would apply or wouldn't apply to the time, circumstance, and season they're in. So this leads us to question number three. Is are you still without understanding? You say, Pastor Chad, I didn't come here today for you to meddle in my business. Yes, you did. That's why you come every week. <laughs> That's why I come. Because we have accepted we need God to meddle in our business. At least we mess things up worse. Every time I hear, you know, reading a secular book or secular article or a, 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 a critic of Christianity or followers of Jesus or whatever, and they say, oh, religion's just the crutch for the weak. I say yes, and I have no shame to acknowledge I'm weak and in need of Jesus. See, the humble shall be glad to make their boast in the Lord. Oh, anybody grateful that you realized you were weak in need of a strong Savior? Hallelujah. But I'm not doing today when I say, are you still without understanding anything that Jesus didn't do to his disciples? Let me ask you, do you have knowledge of Scripture, head knowledge, alone? Maybe you're here today and you have a head knowledge that Jesus is Savior, but do you have understanding regarding that knowledge that has brought you back into a relationship with the Creator who wants to be your Heavenly Father? Who wants to forgive and cleanse you? Who wants to redeem you from what was done to you, what was passed down to you, what you brought upon yourself? Who wants to make you new on the inside? Who wants to give you an understanding of why Jesus came? The spirit behind why Jesus came. And by the way, Jesus didn't come to condemn us because we were already condemned. The spirit behind why Jesus came was to rescue us, to be merciful to us, that the strong arm of salvation would grab and grip us from our misery and our brokenness and our sin and our pride. That's the spirit behind it, that God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that He would save us, that we would choose to love His light more than our deeds of darkness. But many have chosen to love darkness more than his light. So in Matthew 15, 16, Jesus is out teaching. He's teaching large crowds of people and gatherings. And Peter asks him and he says, Explain this parable, explain this story to us. So Jesus said, Peter, are you also still without understanding? 
Are you still without understanding? Meaning, Jesus believes in this moment he has given Peter enough knowledge and Peter has been with him and walked with him long enough to be able to understand what it is he has said. But that wasn't the case. Do you understand that can be the case with you and I? That we maybe should have understanding in an area but not. So Luke 24, 45, Jesus comes to them another time and it says He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Now listen to me. Jesus don't want to open some people's understanding and not others. Listen, it's that He can only open some people's understanding because of the posture they're in. See, listen, there is a way forward. There is a way towards wisdom. And the Lord doesn't go against that way of wisdom and that way forward. Meaning, what you do with the knowledge you have determines if you're in a posture for the Lord to allow your heart and mind to be open to understand why the Bible says that. What the Bible means by that. And the spirit behind what the Bible says. Now, how do you know? How do I know when we're not open to understanding? I'll tell you. When you're closed to meditation. Listen to me. When you're not open to understanding when you are closed to meditation. Meaning, you have to think about what you think about. You have to think about the knowledge of what the Bible says. You have to think about what you know from Scripture regarding the situation. This is meditation. Meditation. And meditation is necessary. In fact, the psalmist in Psalms 49.3 says, My mouth shall speak wisdom. But remember, for your mouth to have wisdom and your lips to have wisdom, you have to first have understanding. So the psalmist tells us here, like Solomon told us in Proverbs, in order to have wisdom found on your lips and in order for you to speak wisdom, he says, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. How do you move from knowledge to understanding? Or if you should have understanding but don't and just have knowledge, how do you move on the way forward? You have to meditate on the knowledge you have. Now listen, biblical or Jesus follower meditation is not like the meditation the world talks about. Like this is not going and trying to empty the mind. That's worldly meditation. That's how you get demons in you. That's why you can go over, and I've been in these places, that they empty their mind through the wrong kind of meditation, and that's how they get demons in their life, and they can cut themselves and do all kinds of things and not feel the pain of it. Because they empty their mind and that's how demons get in your life. The Bible don't say empty your mind. The Bible says that we're to set our mind on things above. We don't have an empty mind. We're not even to have a double mind or a wavering mind. We're to have a set mind. A mind that's set on the knowledge that God has given us. And biblical or Jesus following meditation is to rehearse over and over and over again in your mind the scriptures and the knowledge you have. And this is the way forward towards understanding. So for instance, Paul to Timothy, 
Again, in 2 Timothy 2 and 7, Timothy's going through difficulties. He's a young minister. He is in an exploding church in Ephesus. Ephesus becomes a powerhouse church in these times, and it's exploding and growing in that culture. And Timothy is young, and he's dealing with all of these issues, and Paul writes to him to encourage him. He says, listen, you're like a soldier. You're like an athlete. And then he says this in 2 Timothy 2, 7. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Do you know whose mind the Lord opens to understand the knowledge they have? Those that consider. Those that keep meditating. Those that keep thinking about what is said. Do you want to know the difference between those that go through growth phases and actually get it? than those that just go through growth phases and actually know it, as those who constantly consider it and meditate on it. Those that stay in a posture of the way forward to get an understanding of why we taught or said what we said and taught. The Spirit of God behind what was taught and what was said. The understanding of not just... What was said, but what does it mean? Meditation. But then also, the way forward is application. When you think about moving to have understanding regarding the knowledge of what the Bible says and the knowledge you have, there's meditation, but there's also application. This is why Proverbs 2 and 2 says, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. That means you're on the way forward towards wisdom. Well, what do you do? And apply your heart to understanding. In order to have understanding, you've got to apply your heart. That means application is necessary. Application is necessary. It's those who do something with what they know that are on the way forward towards wisdom in their situation. For instance, Psalms 1, 11, and 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means there's a way forward towards wisdom. A good understanding have who? Those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. I remember when, when and well don't ask her because she might even make me look worse than it was. But I remember when I first met my wife. You got to understand, I'm coming out of years of rebellion, uh, substance abuse, uh, life of debauchery, selfishness, pride, coming out of the psych ward to surrendering again to the Lordship of Jesus and surrendering to the call of God on my life. And I remember walking around that Bible college campus. I had, in fact, I recently threw, I still had copies and copies of them. Mom, Dad, forgive me for how much ink and paper (laughs) I wasted of yours when I printed out. But I printed out all these packets of scriptures that were broken down in categories. And I'll walk around trying to convict and convince already saved people of my pet peeve doctrine. A lot of knowledge of the Bible says no understanding, no wisdom. In fact, I remember years later when I found some of those and went back and read it, I said, what? idiot wrote this <laughs> here's your sign that was me 
Meaning, you can't just know what the Bible says to arrive at understanding. You have to meditate and apply and begin to interact with the knowledge of what it says. It's those who do His commandments have good understanding. Because those that have understanding depart from evil. So listen to me. You can know and stay in control. But you can't obey and stay in control. I'll say it again. You can know and stay in control. But you can't obey and stay in control. See, to obey is to practice the reverential fear that He's Lord and King and I'm not. And this determines our understanding. It affects our understanding and how we come to understand. So we must apply, we must seek to act upon, we must seek to do and engage with the knowledge we have. See, this is how experience a kingdom life or experiencing the kingdom is only available to those who will obey the king. Think about it. How is the kingdom of God's experience, which is more righteousness, more right expression of what a relationship with God and others looks like, more joy, anybody use more joy, more peace that surpasses understanding, meaning you can only experience more of the kingdom experience of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit as you obey the king. You can't experience the kingdom experience without obeying the king. It's those who do. It's those who obey the king that experience. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood against Hitler and the Nazis in the time of that horrendous war and time on the earth, lived out his discipleship and devotion to Jesus, giving his life actually in martyrdom weeks to the end of the war. But Bonhoeffer had a statement. It's so powerful. I hope you get the understanding of it. But he summarizes this process that I'm explaining of how to move really from knowledge to understanding and kingdom experience. He says, only those who believe obey. Now watch this. And only those who obey believe. Oh, it's so powerful. When you get it, it's so powerful. Listen, have you ever believed for a while and had faith for some for a while, but then it dissipates? Because listen, if you don't keep obeying what you understand, your faith and confidence in it begins to wane. Only those who obey continue to move forward in having more faith. And only those that have faith are willing to trust and obey what it is they have faith in what the Lord says. Meaning, listen, there is a connection between doing, applying, and understanding. And that is understanding why Jesus said something. Why the Bible says something. What it means by saying that. What's the heart behind it. Then thirdly, it's not just meditation and application, but it's wise counsel. In Proverbs 1 and 5, it says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Wise counsel. 
There are times where we meditate on something and we begin to apply it. And yet we feel like we're still missing the clear understanding of moving forward in the knowledge we have. That's when wise counsel is needed. Now let me tell you, it isn't wise counsel if they don't know the situation. And it's not wise counsel if they don't understand the situation. For instance, if you need some wise counsel regarding uh, electrical issues, then probably don't get it from someone who's not an electrician. You want some financial issues? Probably don't get it from someone whose finances are a mess. I like what Morgan Freeman said. Now, I bless him and pray for him in other areas, but I like what he said in this area of his wisdom regarding acting. He said, some of the best advice I've been given, don't take criticism from people you would never go to for advice. Don't take criticism from people you'd never go to for advice. Wise counsel comes from people who have interacted with the knowledge and the theme and the subject long enough that they actually understand the theme and the knowledge. It's an interesting scripture. God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah to his old covenant people Israel in Jeremiah 3 and 15. And it's interesting what God says and what he doesn't say. He says, I will give you Israel shepherds according to my heart. Watch this. Who will feed you with knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. And understanding. Say understanding. You have been given. What? What? He'll give us shepherds who will feed us with knowledge and understanding. Why won't he give us shepherds who will feed us wisdom? Because listen, you can't feed another person wisdom. You can't feed another person wisdom. You can only feed someone knowledge and understanding, but without them rightly learning how to apply the knowledge and understanding they have, they don't arrive at wisdom. Because listen, wisdom is an act, meaning it gives birth to something. When you have wisdom, it affects your walk. Wisdom affects your work. Wisdom affects what you do and how you live. Shepherds and wise counsel can only give you knowledge and understanding. And it's what you do with that knowledge and understanding determines if you're on the way forward towards actually having wisdom in that area of your life. Now let me talk about wisdom. So we've talked about knowledge and understanding. We've looked at the questions of what do the scriptures say about it? What do the scriptures mean by it? If you're still without it, then you need meditation and application and wise counsel. And then question four, regarding wisdom, what will I do with it? What will I do with the understanding I now have? Now let me define how I'm using wisdom today. Are you ready? I don't have this on your card, but I want to define for you how I'm using wisdom today. Wisdom is the ability to rightly apply the right knowledge in the right way in a given situation. I'll say it again. Wisdom is the ability to rightly apply the right knowledge in the right way, that's understanding, in a given situation. And guess what happens? 
when the right knowledge is applied with the right understanding, the right way, in a situation, that is wisdom being manifested. And guess what that means? That's Jesus being manifested. Because Jesus is our wisdom. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, God made him Jesus to become our wisdom. Wisdom. And when you read the Gospels of Jesus, who's also wisdom in action, I don't know about you, but I, many times, reading the record of his life, and before long you think you're getting a hand on what Jesus is going to say. Before long you think you're getting a hand on what Jesus is going to do in a situation. And then, oh my goodness, he does it again. He does the complete thing we never would think is wisdom in that situation. And we're humbled again. We're humbled again. Am I the only one that reads the Gospels and I think, oh, I know what Jesus is going to do here? No, I was nowhere close. He picked up mud, spit in it, put it on a dude's eye. Didn't see that one coming. Didn't see that one. Tells the woman, go, your face made heal. Tells another person, go to the priest and offer, then you'll be cleansed as you go. Didn't see that one coming. It's time and time again. I mean, at times I'm reading actually what Jesus said. I'm, I'm actually seeing and I have knowledge of what he did. And I walk away that morning scratching my head saying, What, God? That was wisdom? Because listen. Wisdom, it's not just having the right knowledge. It's knowing what knowledge to use rightly in a right way for the situation at hand. That's wisdom. And Jesus said wisdom is justified by our children. What's that mean? Wisdom is justified by what comes from the act. Comes from the act. Wisdom is justified by what it gives birth to. Meaning... Actions are justified by what they result in. And I want to tell us all because I've been there and God's been teaching me so much and revealing so much to these resources He's recently brought in my life that it just exposes us so much because we want to be judged by our motive and intention instead of our actions. And that can't happen because I can never know your intention and your heart. I can only know your action. That's why Jesus said judge by the fruit. The fruit, just by the fruit. Now, when you think about wisdom being justified by her children, well, you don't give birth immediately. It's a process. So what we find out is there is an initial justification of wisdom, and there's also a delayed justification of wisdom. Meaning sometimes you look at Jesus and you think, well, that didn't give birth to anything good. It made them angry. No, no, no. But that wisdom that we saw Jesus manifested in that moment, later is justified. Sometimes it's a delayed justification. But listen, there is both an initial justification of wisdom and a delayed. Let me show you this question number five. What has resulted from it? So you begin to seek to apply the right knowledge in the right way through understanding in the situation at hand. But what has resulted from it? In James 3 and 17 as the band comes... Notice what James says. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, 
gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Notice the wisdom that's from above is first. Everybody say first. Did you know first is the Greek word proton? You know what proton means? It means the first in a succession of things. It's the first in an order of things. Meaning, wisdom from above has an initial justification. And the initial justification from wisdom that's from God is that it's pure. Meaning if I'm doing it because I've made it all about me, that's not wisdom. There's a purity to God's wisdom. That we do things not just for our own benefit, but what is also the benefit of others. There's a purity to it. We do it not just for us, but for the Lord's glory. There's a purity. But there's not just a purity, there's a peaceableness. There's a peace to it. I was thinking back as I was in the study and preparing for the sermon when we, because since I preached for a church plant last week, I guess it was sort of mine. I was thinking back when we, Michelle and I began the process of church plant in DP Woodstock, and we didn't know anybody in the area, and we we printed a five thousand plus flyers. And we didn't have anybody sending us up here with money, so money was tight, and we were raising money. And so, it's one thing to have the flyers, it's another thing to mail them. (laughs) So I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to ride around at a CRV back then. In our CRV, and we're going to go to mailboxes, we're going to get push pins and tape, and we're going to tape them on the mailboxes. Can't open the mailbox. I think back how I had no peace at all the weeks upon weeks that I did that. So it wasn't God's wisdom for this church plan. You see no fruit from that. In fact, later we put it on one who was actually a, uh, he worked for the post office and he found us and called us and insured us. It's not just against the law to open the mailbox, it's actually against the law to put stuff on the mailbox. But I think back, that whole time, I just had an anxiousness about it. See, because that wisdom wasn't the Lord leading that way. There's a peaceableness about God's wisdom. Peaceableness. Next, it's gentle. Let me tell you when I'm not gentle. In the way I talk to my son. The way I talk to my beautiful wife that we just celebrated last week, 17 years. I'm not peaceable, or I'm not gentle when I don't have peaceableness and I don't have purity when I'm just thinking about myself. I'm not gentle. I'm harsh. I get frustrated. It's not heavenly wisdom. It's selfish. I'm thinking about what's best for me, not what's best for us in that moment, and I'm not giving preference to her and the needs of the family. I'm just thinking about my schedule and what i got to get done. Next, he says, the initial justification of God's heavenly wisdom, it's willing to yield. Listen, I'm not going to fight you over it. Because you might have knowledge about it, but if I have wisdom about it, I'm not going to fight you about it.
Because I've already interacted with it enough to actually know what he means by that. And I'll just let my life speak as a justification of it, but I'm not going to fight you over it. Wisdom is willing to yield. They don't have to prove the point. It's full of mercy. And then it says good fruits. The good fruits is the delayed justification. See, God's wisdom in the beginning has an initial justification. It's the experience. There's a purity, a peaceableness, a gentleness, a willing to yield, a mercifulness in it. But then the just, the a delayed justification wisdom is it leads to good fruit. At fruit trees on our property, and some of them we're still praying and prophesying and saying, God, let some good fruit show up on them. Because <laughs> most fruit trees don't bear fruit. A minimum of after three years. Some even more than that. What are the good fruits? Let me tell you some good fruits. Strength. You know God's heavenly wisdom provides strength. In fact, Proverbs 8, 14, Solomon personifies the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And it says, counsel is mine, says the spirit of God. Sound wisdom is mine, says the spirit of wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. In fact, the Bible says if we stumble... In the beginning of days, if we stumble in small adversity, that we lack strength. And it tells you right before it means we lack wisdom. Wisdom is our strength for difficult times. So strength, secondly, stability. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says in Isaiah 33 and 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, the stability of your seasons. The strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is His treasure. Thirdly, you know what else is a good fruit of heavenly wisdom? A restful heart. Proverbs 14, 33, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. What is in the heart of fools is made known. Listen, heavenly wisdom is to let just the wisdom rest in your heart. You don't have to go around telling everybody you got wisdom. You're okay to let wisdom rest in your heart for those who then have a posture who seek you out as a wise counsel in an area that you have seen God's fruit and justification of wisdom in. You're willing to just let wisdom rest there. Fourthly, a good fruit is focused eyes. Proverbs 17, 24 says, Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. But the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. Meaning, wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. Focused eyes. Focused on what you can do. Not getting distracted by what you can't do. Maybe you should go look up the serenity prayer today. It's a prayer of such wisdom. Lord, give me the discernment. To know the things I can't change, but what I can change. you got to know what things you have to surrender and trust in, but what things God has given you the ability to actually put your hands to and do something about it. You can't sit back and wait for Him to do something. He's empowered you and given you the ability to do something about it. But focus eyes. Lastly, a fruit, it builds. Wisdom builds things in our life. In fact, Proverbs 24.3 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Wisdom will build God's work in your life, His character, career, His plan, His assignment. And then James says, lastly, it's without partiality. Listen, and without hypocrisy. You know what that means? God's wisdom will work regardless of who we are. And God's wisdom will work regardless of where we have to start today. God is not just 
blessing some people because he don't want to bless other people. He's blessing some with outward signs of his blessing because they're in the way forward and in the way of wisdom. Listen, God doesn't receive the face of any of us. He responds to our posture towards Him and what we do with what He's asked us to do. It's without partiality. So lastly, you say, what next? Just start today. Start today in the way forward. What's the way forward for your it, for your circumstance, for what you're going through? Well, it's wherever you're at in this process of the way of wisdom. For some of you, you need to start today by seeking knowledge about the issue. Seek knowledge about your it. Find everything that God has recorded in Scripture regarding your issue. Seek knowledge about it. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. If the goal of today is at least for you to understand the way forward for you, then if you really understand the way forward and the process we've talked about today, then you will seek out knowledge because that's where the process always starts. What does God say about it? Then once you understand the way of wisdom and you seek knowledge about it, then number B under D, on your card, you seek to understand through interaction with it. Start interacting with now the knowledge of what God says. So for instance, you find Scripture saying that the Holy Spirit will give you fruit that doesn't come from your own ability. It's rooted in the fact that Christ said He'll give you patience in a situation. So you have knowledge. So why do you start interacting with that? Next time you're in a situation and you start getting angst and uptight, remember the knowledge says, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit will instantly produce His patience in me and it won't be from my ability, it will be from His ability and you start interacting in that moment that Lord, trusting you're providing for me in this moment your patience. I don't have it on my own. You start interacting with the knowledge. And then see, seek to build with the understanding you gain in the related decisions. Seek to build with the understanding you have in the related decisions. So I don't know what your it is today, but I know God has wisdom for it. I know God sent Jesus for it. I know Jesus being manifested in your circumstance, in your it, whatever it is, that's God's wisdom. And it starts with the cross. It starts with the cross that says, listen, God's not asking any of us through our own ability, through our own wisdom, through our own power to arrive at wisdom in whatever our it is. The cross is God's declaration that He has wisdom for it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.